Hi, so the following podcast contains adult themes, sexual content, and strong language. You've been warned. I would like to issue a disclaimer before we begin this episode. There will be conversations around sexual assault. Timestamps will be linked below if you would like to skip that section, or you could skip this episode altogether. Uh, what's up, listeners? Uh, my name is Steph. I am a sexuality educator and space creator. Um, I've been doing this for over a decade now, really finally getting to be free in the work and through the work because I work for myself. And so my approach is really, um, it draws on a a decolonial lens and framework for my entire life. So really figuring out what my pleasure practices are through a decolonial lens, my relationship structures, my gender identities, all of the things um, so that I can just return home. And I think that is what sex ed in like its best capacity could and should be, right? Is providing folks with information so that they can return home to their bodies, to their desires, to their identities, you know? Um, yeah, that's me. What's up? It's really interesting because um, I think I mentioned this like in a tiny little snippet in another episode, but basically I went to this school that was like, it yeah. was like Frederick Douglass Academy. Nice. And like, you know. Talking about so, Yeah. Oh, that's the center kids there. That's amazing. Yeah. So they have, they don't have this anymore. I don't even think the teacher teaches this anymore, but they had this mandatory class that you had to take freshman year and it was called social issues. That's what it was called. A class where you're learning like, are you black? Are you brown? What does that mean? Word. Yeah. And how are people like perceiving you and how did we get to this point? So it's a bunch of reading and stuff like that. And it was really like eye opening class. And then I think my fresh, oh my goodness, I only speak English and yet I, you would have thought it was my third language. I swear, a <laughs> switch. <laughs> no, like a, I'm like a flip switched, a switch flip. Yeah. <laughs> and I, we were reading Masculinity and the Will to Change by Bell Hooks for <laughs> our English class Um, because like my English teacher, like, he went on a whole journey and he was just one of those people where it's like he went on like a self-discovery journey so like yeah like him and his students have to learn as well and like that's kind of when i realized i i hadn't fully i didn't fully understand my peer group until we read that book and mm-hmm. he started asking questions where it was kind of crazy like i i know that like when you are like raised as a boy and raised as a girl, there are differences, but I didn't realize how drastic those differences were until yeah. we started reading that book and he started asking questions. Like he asked a question that I thought was really simple, which was, if a woman tells you that she's been sexually assaulted, do you believe her? And then the only thing that he changed was whether or not you were related to her. And that completely changed <laughs> their, I was like, oh, so I can't trust anybody in this, right, right. In this classroom right now. Like, And then, it was also really interesting because there were some boys who there were some boys that were like, of course, there would be, you know, a couple that were like, oh, I would believe her because why would you lie about something like that? Right. Like, There's no reason to lie, especially because there were like a one or two that were like the likelihood of them even like getting justice doesn't is very low. So why would they lie? You know, there yep. were one or two. I'm not going to like group them all. Yeah. But then there were there was a lot. Most didn't believe. And then there was a very small amount who did. And then there were, were a couple that were like in between where they were thought that they, I guess they assumed that this was a better answer, but it was like 10 times worse well, where yeah. they were like, they were just like, I don't care. And I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What? What? <laughs> they were just like, yeah, like they were like, well, I'm not the one who did it. I'm not going to do anything about it. And I was just like, do you think this is better? That's I was, nice. I was in shambles. Yo. I was in shambles. Yeah. 
And okay, so I may have said something a little drastic, but I don't think. Okay, let's hear it. But also, I wasn't really. So I was like, damn, I did not know I was in class with so many rapists. And they were like, what? You called me what? And I was like, I said what I said. Well, well. And they're like, what are you calling me? I was like, I said what I said. Well, it's not that far off. And they were like, it very much is. I was like, "Mm, I don't think so. I don't think. Right. But yeah, that was a crazy class to be in. And it was also really interesting to see who believed and who didn't. Yeah. Because it wasn't who I thought was. It's, it's At least if you are like looking at media, the people who you think would believe versus the people who didn't. Yeah. Very different. The football kids, like the people who were like really big and like athletic, they were the ones that were actually like, no, I believe her. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And they were the ones that were like, oh, like they were the ones that were more willing to admit that they, I don't know, had a range of emotion that wasn't anger and that anger isn't always the issue, isn't always the answer. They are allowed to feel those emotions and express that because they present in a traditionally masculine way. So they have more respect. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's the slippery slope of, I think, toxic or westernized masculinity right it's like this weird paradigm where every woman or femme person or queer person is lying about how the world treats them and in fact the real victims are men themselves (laughs) we got into that we got into that in the class and my teacher was like you like oh my god bless that man he was trying so hard He was trying to get the boys to understand that they were a victim. And again, like the boys that were like really athletic, you know, really masculine, all they were really, they were super ready. A couple of them shed tears. Like they were ready to embrace those. And I I love it. I was like, oh my goodness, my generation, like love us. But the boys who weren't seen as like traditionally masculine or any of that, they were like, I'm not a victim. How dare you? Like, no, my parents did me right. Like when I cried when I was five and they like shoved me down the stairs, they knew what they were doing. They and did I was the like, right thing. They helped me to be tough, to survive. Yeah. And I was like, oh, girl, you was a victim. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. Sometimes the way that I frame it um, with young people, young men in particular, is less about being a victim of like the interpersonal and the family systems. It's more being a victim of our society, right? And the systems that we've created, the the systems that we fall under, like colonialism is really what brings us this idea that when we think masculinity, it's a lack of emotion and it's this hyper, like, oh, I can do everything by myself. And I'm so aware that I know I'm not the bad person. You're not aware of a goddamn thing. Like none of it, (laughs) none of that is awareness of your emotions or the situation. What you are aware of is your feelings in that moment. And your feeling in that moment is I'm angry. I'm not a victim. And I'll fight anybody who tells me I am a victim. Babe. Babe. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It was mind numbing because it was this weird, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word, but it's like, because it was an English class of all classes, we would have to write these very like long complex essays about what we're reading and they would have to break it down. And so Mm -hmm. they were able to break it down for the class. But the second we stepped outside of the class and you're like, what did we learn today? They would just be like, well, that's some bullshit. And I'm like, but you just went over the ways in which, because they would have to draw from personal experiences. So they they drew from a personal experience in which they were able to recognize that they were being hurt or abused and that it wasn't right. The second that they stepped out, they were like, oh, that was all a lie. And I'm like, 
this is this is this is what I always talk about when I talk about the pedagogy of education in any capacity, right? Whether it's yeah. sex education or it's any any school system, we're not actually teaching folks how to relate information to their own self, to their well-being, to their values, right? To deconstruct what they've been taught. What we're really teaching them is just memorization, right? Like, yes, okay, if you can regurgitate the things that I'm saying, then you'll pass the class. But are you actively applying it to you? Like, are you sitting with your feelings? Are you allowing yourself to feel the things? No, I just want to get the answer. I want to be done with this shit and I, and I want to graduate and that's it. And that's not on the fault of the young people or any, any learner. That's literally the education system. That's literally. where we are, you know? So again, we are all victims. <laughs> we are all victims. Y'all like it's, there's no yeah. way to say it. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's something that I, I had to like realize specifically like once I had graduated high school and I started talking yeah. to people about college and stuff like that. And that's when I realized or just throughout my day today, because I was always like a horrible student because like memorization without like having a ap real life application yep. is always going to be hard for me. Thank and you. like I realized that it was like a real issue when like something would come up. Maybe it's most of the time it has something to do with cooking. And I would bring up something that I remembered from my chemistry class that I failed. <laughs> and I had people who had straight A's in all of their science classes who had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah. But we took the same chemistry class. And I was like, yeah, we took the chemistry class years ago. But how do you not remember the difference between a hypotonic and a hypertonic solution? You passed yeah. it. Yeah. You passed the test. Yeah, but it's like that thing of like, but you never took the time to actually apply it to like real life. So of course, it just went in one ear and out the other. And I'm like, it's Damn. not even just real life; it's real emotion. When we can attach an emotional experience to some information, we're like a hundred times more likely to remember that. Mm, but you gotta let yourself actually feel the thing, right? So even if yeah. it's just frustration about chemistry, this is fucking stupid. I am so annoyed right now. All right, bet. But that emotional response is going to help something to stick in you, to stick in your brain. Mm -hmm. But if we're going through learning from this perception of it's only up here and it's not here, what are we doing? We're not, the synapses are not firing the way that we want them to. This stuff is not going to stick with us long term. We're not going to be able to say, oh, remember that thing five years ago? Oh, I'm still thinking about it today. And I can build on that now because there's no emotional buy-in, right? It's literally just regurgitation and memorization. That's it. That is such a great point. And I don't know how we got here because I have yet to ask you a question that was I'm actually long, that was the <laughs> Okay. <laughs> the first question that I always ask if you would think that your upbringing was sex positive, um, neutral or negative? You know, I had a very interesting upbringing that I would qualify as all of the above, uh, all of the above simultaneously. It was a hot ass mess. It was a hot garbage mess. Um, I understand how you came to that conclusion. Yo, because you're from like, the Bronx. Like, <laughs> what happened? You're from the Bronx? Yeah, Puerto Rican from the Bronx. Okay, you see, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That, like all the music that my family would listen to, you know, side side, even side side, like they talk about, oh no, it's okay. So I know yeah, what they're saying. No, I, I looked up, I looked up a couple of the lyrics, and I was confused now because I'm like, the girls be hardcore Catholic, hardcore Hello? Christian. Hello. Hello. Uh, okay. Hello. Right. Yeah. yeah. So my family was very big on um, music. Was always a big thing for them, but uh, it was. I think the way that my family moved through sexuality was like it was a very deeply personal thing, and even it being personal was still shameful. Um, and because of that, it was not something to talk about publicly. It was not something to talk about proudly with the exception of like my aunt, who is the classic, you know, Puerto Rican aunt with the with the bamboo earrings and all 
give me this and give me that and puñeta this and puñeta that, you know? Um, but she was always the one who was really sex positive. Um, is that the word? She was, uh, she was very forthcoming with her sexual mm. adventures. But I think when I think sex positive, what I really think of is making space for that to connect to all of us, right? So like, yes, we can talk about our experiences and like, hey, there's information and I, we didn't get any of that, right? So it's very often talked about in like a negative way um, from like my mom, my grandma, very, very much just like, a, oh, you know, you don't need that and you don't need this and sex is overrated and Oh no, that's just don't don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then my aunt, <laughs> my aunt and my grandma, you know, they all had these funny little uh these funny little keychains of humans, you know, people that were naked. And so when you would move the lever, like the, the one person's penis would go into the other person's vagina. And so I'm a kid and I'm like, <laughs> now how that is crazy. This is that so is So I mean, literally, my sisters and I um just last, just last week, one of them found one of the keychains and they sent it to us in a group chat, like, yo, core memory unlocked. And I started laughing because I'm like, this is why I'm a sex educator. This is exactly why. Yeah, I had all this stuff around us, like all of the imagery. My grandmother would leave like her uh, her vintage porn collection around. Um, vintage, now we got to get in. We're going to get into that later. Let me write that down. Okay. Porn like, collection. Yeah, I learned a lot. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to, but I learned a lot. Um, and so, yeah, so having that experience of like, I see some people in my family really embracing sexuality as a fun and, you know, incredible sacred thing. And I see other people that are shaming it. And then I just got these weird little toys. So I, I like to think that I had a really complex, uh, I had a mixed bag of my upbringing. There was sex positivity, sex negativity, sex neutralism, all of the things, you know? So I guess you could say your aunt was, um, what would be the word? More like sexually expressive, I guess. Yes. Thank you. Perfect. There you go. Yes. Okay. Yes. Very happy to talk about the dick that she got over the weekend. Crazy. My mom would be like, Nana, the kids are right there. I, they can't understand. I can understand. understand." Oh my gosh. (laughs) You see my, my family. Oh my God. I wish my family was like, my, my family was too aware of the fact that I understood. And that was the issue. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they were like you get oh my god and that was a thing i think my my family held me to like this crazy expectation where they were like you understand everything when half the time i was confused mm. but yeah god i would have gotten so much more drama that i didn't find out until later on i was like damn y'all should have spoke around me more um <laughs> i guess my second question is like when did you find out oh, i guess we're gonna get to grandma's vintage porn collection right now because my, my next question was gonna be like when did you find out about like porn and masturbation and sex and all that like at what time in your life did you find that out and how yeah i if i had to put an age on it i would probably say like maybe like eight at the earliest or maybe seven seven or eight is probably where i started um be, right. becoming yeah. aware of like the keychains and what that means, and then the context mm-hmm. of the conversation that folks are having. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, um, my mom used to have my grandmother babysit us a lot. And so she's got four kids. Like we were a fucking handful, this poor old lady. Um, so we just ran circles around her, unfortunately. And what that meant was that we would go into her bedroom where she had like her porn stash and mm-hmm. these vintage, uh, she had vintage magazines. So like Playgirl, Playboy, all the things. But then she also had uh, comic books. And I was like, whoa, this is fast. Yeah, that was me. I was like, yeah, I got comic books about this. Okay. I had no idea. Grandma's no idea. Back and forwards. Like, you know, damn. Uh, and sideways, grandma, diagonal. 
Yo, I used to find like speedos that men would leave in her. I was like, like that. No, your grandma kind of kind of goes right now because I'm kind of like that's kind of going like that's my grandbaby's gonna find some things. I'm gonna be like, look, relax. You'll find it. You'll figure out when you when, when you're old. ready. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I always appreciated that about her. You know, she didn't she didn't necessarily try to hide that she had a sexual aspect to her. But she also she also wasn't as expressive as maybe my aunt was, and then my mom was like on the further end of the spectrum, which was like, "I'll never oh, yeah, talk about sex them. ever, never." I'm like, "You have four kids. You clearly had sex to have us. Like, we know this." Um, but she she really just does not. She does she refused to talk about it. Um, so anyway, so that's the age that I became aware of porn, and then pretty shortly after that is when I started to explore like masturbating with my body. I didn't even call it masturbating. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing just like put pressure up against the sofa, right? Like rub yourself against the sofa a little bit. And you're like, oh, that feels kind of nice. I like that. so interesting because for (laughs) me, I'm a person that's like, um, how to explain this? I was just, okay, a little random tangent. We're going to go right back. So (laughs) not you egging me on. So um, I was watching the show on, what is it showtime mm-hmm. yesterday and it was called couples therapy and it was such a great show highly 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 recommend because they will like take the worst people and then you realize oh my goodness they're actually not a horrible person they just needed therapy yeah and i like tools. yeah for me i'm a person where like i need instructions on how to do things i saw people expressing like deep emotions see real people expressing those emotions yeah it was great because my parents never fought Mm-hmm. which is strange i know uh-huh. i know and they're jamaican i don't know how they i think it's, you know, like, they're jamaican goodbye yeah like i don't <laughs> know how they never like you, it, you know what it is my parents had my mom had me when she was in her mid-40s they're like really old and i think they're just sick and tired <laughs> don't have the energy. Like, i don't have the energy to do this shit so yeah so they just uh-huh. talk it out but that was really interesting for me and i brought that up because that's just the type of person i've always been yeah. so for me learning masturbation was literally watching these sex educators be like how to masturbate yeah. and i was like okay all right. So I literally had a step-by-step instruction because yeah. if it wasn't for that, I don't, I probably would have never done it. I needed to know how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think similarly, when I, I can say that I started like bodily exploration and masturbation at a younger age, maybe seven or eight, but there, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. There was no like technique. There was no like, oh, I know that this will bring me pleasure. So I'm going to do it. It was, it was something that would happen. And then I'd be like, oh, this feels kind of nice. I'll stay here for a minute. But in terms of intentional masturbation and intentional, like, direction, right, for, for my play with myself, I, I was the same way. I needed somebody to teach me. I was like, I don't know what part of my body is supposed to be. Like, where do I put my hand and what do I use and how do I do this? Yeah, because nobody's telling me anything. I can't ask my parents. My mom, my, <laughs> I, I, asked, I asked my mother how babies were made and she looked at me and she, she said, didn't they teach you that at school? And I was like, well, I'll be damned. Well, thanks. Well, thanks. Yeah. And it, the craziest part is that because in New York, you can opt in and out of having your child be taught sex education. My mom, when I was in high school, opted out of that. Really? Signing up. She, yeah, but she was using a pencil, so I just erased it. But like... <laughs> <laughs> <Where> you? <laughs> you set me up. I was like, teen pregnancy is not happening in this uterus. Like, what is wrong with you? Now, of course, I had already, I was already on my, like, I was on my sex education game right, by then. Right. You know, like, I was the person that my 
friends came to when they had questions about their body. I still am. Yeah. And I didn't know how bad the sex education in my high school was. I had high hopes. That was the one thing that I never never was cemented in my brain. But mm-hmm. I had high hopes. And I was like, how dare you like deny me this? So, yeah, I erased it. That's amazing. And I fully support. Yeah. <laughs> fully support. But that's yeah. also a great example because something that I tell um, adults and parents and anybody who works with young people is they know themselves better than you do. They know how they feel and they know the information that they are looking for at the very least. Maybe they don't know the specific questions, but they know what piques their curiosity. So for you to say, no, my kid doesn't need or want sex education. And then for you to come in and be like, (laughs) like, ma'am, that is such a beautiful example of young people and you in particular, like taking ownership of your own life. So I really do commend you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. But I mean, I got into the sex education in my high school, and oh, it was not good. And that is actually, yeah, it was real bad. It was, there were multiple times where I was correcting the teacher, and that's when I realized not only that because no, my teacher, and I've said this before, and if you heard it in another episode, oh well, you better hear it again. My <laughs> he- no, because he was the soccer teacher, and he also graduated college, and he would brag about the fact that he cheated his way through college, so he doesn't even really know half the stuff he's teaching. I swear, I swear on my. My granny i swear on my granny back foot that man said that and i was like there ain't no way so, right yeah, there, was a, there were a lot of times where i was correcting him and not only that that's when i realized that i was talking to some of my friends who i knew were throwing it back i knew they were having sex they didn't know that like the outside of your vagina that's called a vulva they didn't know what a vulva was and yeah. then there was one friend that didn't know that you don't pee out of the same hole mm-hmm. That your vaginal canal is different from your your urethra. I was like, but you're having sex. Mm -hmm. And she was like, (laughs) what does that have to do with anything? And I was like, I just feel like at the very least, you should know like what your vulva look like. Have you taken a mirror down there? Like what's going on? And she was like, she was like, why would I take a mirror down there? I I do that. That's for them to look at. Why would I I look at it? (laughs) I was like, I've been taking mirrors down there since I was like five. Like I needed to know what was yeah. going on. Like I was one of those, <laughs> I need to know what's going on with my body at all times. And I yeah. need to see it. I need to understand it. Yeah. But that was my next question. Like what was sex education like? Let's see. So I think my first sex ed experience was actually in maybe like junior high or middle school. One of those. Wow. But it was just a one, it was a one-time class. <laughs> so it was a one-time class uh, where we were separated on gender. So the boys went to a different room. The girls went to a different room. The boys had a boy teacher. The girls had a girl teacher. And um, so I've always been a, I've always been what I used to call a tomboy. And so now as an agender person, I'm like, I'm just all the motherfucking things. And I express more masculine because that's where I feel at home. But when I was younger, I was a tomboy. So sitting in that sex ed class where the teacher is literally like, all right, girls, you're all girls. You're all girls. You're all girls. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I felt that. Okay, I, I, was, I used to be a tomboy too. And then like, as I got older, it was less tomboy, but just more like generally like androgynous. Yes, just because like, yeah. that's how I felt comfortable. So it was, that was, yeah. I was like, please stop calling me a pretty, pretty princess. Like, I don't, I don't like it. Like, I don't like that. When I, I want to now, be called but... a princess. Exactly. Like when I want to be called a princess, I will let you know. But other yeah. than, like, chill the fuck out. Don't it assume just... that. Yeah, that's really it was really uncomfortable for me. Um, so that class, yeah, that was just it was garbage. There was no actual sex education. What we talked about, what we learned about was that girls get their periods and we go through hell. And that was basically it. 
that was it. There was no mention of any other bodily function, let alone like sexuality. And then going into high school, <laughs> huh? you know what? If anybody that used to work or works at Clinton High School is listening to this, I hope. Wait, you went to Clinton? Mm. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I know mm -hmm. a couple people that went to Clinton. Okay. Fantastic. Because they should hear this because somebody should press charges against somebody. I feel like <laughs> I don't understand. So we also had uh, we also had our gym teacher who was responsible for teaching health education, sex education, which never goes well. Like stop forcing teachers to teach a thing that they're not qualified to teach. That shit is wild. Like that shit is wild, disrespectful. Stop doing it. Um, anyway, so that sex ed was also pretty much the same, right? Boys get erections and wet dreams and girls get periods. And then here's how to use a condom. And that was like the, the end all be all of it. It was also one semester um, at like junior or senior year. So shorty, we've already been here for mad long. And now you're, ring you're a little bit too late, my love. You're a little yes. bit too late. But well, the harder Ariana part brought that up. They were like, I was already having time. So baby girl, doing? like you are party to the party. <laughs> yeah. Like... The but the um the other hard part was being able to trust any information that was coming from these cis straight, predominantly white men working in the Bronx who were actively pursuing teenage girls. Thought that with Clinton. Nah, that shit was real. That shit was yeah. real. Yeah. I feel like I heard about that. Yeah, that it was, was like a, it was like an infamous thing. So you know, this mismanagement of power and authority is is grotesque, um, and you can't have that when you're trying to teach sex education, right? Like those two things don't make sense. I shouldn't have a teacher saying, "Here's how you put a condom on," and hey, you know, if you need some practice after school, just come see me, and I'm happy to teach you. That's wait. Don't tell me that actually happened. Don't tell me they released. Oh. No, no, I directly had a teacher say that he was waiting till after I graduated to get a blowjob from me, like directly. Too shocked to speak. Mm -hmm. Too shocked to speak. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. But that was the culture of the of the school, right? You had deans, you had security guards, public safety officers. Everybody was just trying to have Everybody. <clears throat> Not just trying. They, they, they were. Having. And having. that's coercive. That's coercive, right? Like, under the age of 18, we know that that is coercive. You cannot consent. And so that's what was happening. That's what was happening on a large scale in that school. So that completely turned me off from being able to learn from, from them. Like, Because mm -hmm. why, why would I trust them? I wasn't even trusting my health teacher just because I was like, you just don't see, you don't seem like a man that carries yourself as someone who, like, is giving their wife orgasms. So uh, I wasn't even trusting him on uh, that. So, like... And that's just tea, because also, why yeah. do these old-ass men like these young-ass girls? That's yeah. why. That's yeah. why, babe. And, you know what? and now that we're talking about it, I vividly remember this, because, again, like, in my generation, I feel like we have so much, we have access to so many things, and, you know, you have so many people, like, explaining certain things to you, so, like, when things like that happen... We have an understanding that it's not okay and that it's not because you're mature. Like, that's been drilled into our head. He doesn't like you because you're mature. He likes you because you're a child. Yeah. And, like, I had a friend who she still was dating older men. Like, she was my age dating men that were in her their 30s with children. And I was like, babe, babe. And she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't because get it. I'm a, we get it. <laughs> but you're not going to get it until, like, 10 years later. Like. Why are you hell-bent on being delayed in learning this? 
Yeah. But then I was like, you know what? After a while, we just kind of got tired of kind of being like, we just want better for you. And then the more I kind of sat with it, I was like, I don't know her personal story. There might be a part of the puzzle that I'm just, that we're not getting and that she doesn't feel comfortable telling us. Yeah. So we just kind of all came to consensus that we're just going to lay off because I don't think none of us thought that we were helping her at this point because nothing was changing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hard part though, right? Like you want the best for folks and we have to come with a compassionate knowing that we can't force people to change, even if it is in what we deem their best interest, right? Like for so many people, they don't identify as survivors or victims, but as consenting partners in whatever's happening. And so who the fuck am I to say, Oh no, you're being taken advantage of. Like, sure, that's a systemic thing that's happening, but am I going to shame you for what is happening to you? No, I'm not gonna do that. All of that shame really belongs on the men and the system that allows this shit to continue happening. And that's just what it is. But coming to this place of, like I had friends who were engaging with these old ass, nasty ass, crusty ass men. And I could not wrap my head around it for the life of me, but- couldn't. I really couldn't, but it's just kind of one of those things where you're like, I I just kind of, we didn't want to ostracize her because we all knew that the worst thing is to be alone when this is happening. So that's kind of why we came to the consensus. Like we cannot keep badgering her to the point where she isolates herself. That's like the worst thing that we can do. So we lay it off. So we were just like, just let it, just keep us up to date. Even like, we're not like, we just kind of like told her, Hey, we're going to stop bothering you. But just don't be afraid to tell us because we still need to know. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, I think that's, I don't, I don't want to use the word best because that's a shitty situation for anybody to be in. Right. But that is one of the most helpful ways to go about it is to say, Hey, listen, I don't, I cannot support the things that you are doing, but I can't support you, the person. Right. And I want to name that that's a very different approach when you are talking about someone who is a survivor versus someone who's a uh, perpetrator. Right. Like we cannot say, oh yeah, I'm going to support you taking advantage of these young girls, or I'm not going to support you doing that, but I'm going to support you, the person, because you're my boy. I love you. That shit doesn't work like that. That person has the power and authority already. They're not the victim. They're not being um, coerced into anything. They are the ones doing the things. And so at that point, you cannot separate the two, right? You have to look at the person as the same thing that they're doing. You're doing this thing that's fucked up. I ain't gonna roll with it. But when it's uh, when the person is a survivor or a victim, it's a very different approach, right? It's, I want you to be happy. I want the best for you. And I can't make you do the things. And so I'm gonna just be here to, to just be here. That's it. I'll just be here to be here. You bring me the information if you want to. And if you don't, that's also okay. Like, I respect that. I only want what's best for you. That is also interesting that you brought up that I guess that was the best course of action. I felt, I feel like at the time I felt guilty for not, for laying off and not doing anything. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of our friends, because I still talk to a lot of my friends from high school. And like, when we talk about it, everyone's like, we kind of should have snitched on her. Like, why did we hold her down like that? Like, no, 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 no. We should have ran. <laughs> but then um, I was actually talking to one of my friends who, a, f- a friend who went to a completely different high school. Yeah. And she did that. And that actually like ruined the friendship that she had with the friend, even though, because she was being sexually assaulted by a family member. Mm-hmm. And my friend went and told an advisor, but the friend completely cut her off after that. That is crazy, ain't it? Like that is such a weird thing because, like, because they 
that girl kept all the other friends who didn't tell and who mm -hmm. were standing by. And I was like, I don't understand the process that your brain goes through when that happens. But I, it yeah. was kind of weird. There's, there's no, um, there's no like quick fix. There's no, this is always going to be the best course of action versus this one, right? Like, yeah, there have been times where I've had to snitch, um, whether it be to, to parents, to my friends, to teachers, to the state right. as the mandated reporter sometimes. There's never going to be a simple, yes, I, I should tell this person or no, I shouldn't. I think it comes down to the safety of the person, right? The safety of the person who's involved. Um, and then the the truth of it, which is just to name like in, in that case or what I usually do is like, I'll say, hey, this sounds like <clears throat> it's a really dangerous and unconsensual and unsafe thing that's happening. And I am going to make the decision to report or to disclose or whatever. And I know I know that that's going to fuck up this relationship and it's going to fuck up this trust. And I get that. I completely understand why that may happen. And if you ever come to a place where you want to talk more about it, I'm so happy to do that. But right now, your safety is more important than the trust or our dynamic or our friendship. Like yeah. your safety is the paramount, you know, primary thing for me that I'm concerned about. And so in that case, that's what it seems like, right? Like you have yeah. a fucking family member who's taken. That's that's very, very huge. That's huge. So and then as a young person, like nobody teaches you how to navigate or how to hold this shit the expectation yeah. is like if your friends are telling you secrets you always got to hold the secrets but like those things hurt you too yeah that scares you too that traumatizes you it could be triggering for you too so there's no right or wrong way to to support or to navigate because it's just a shit show <laughs> it's just it's just a shit show but i think the the primary thing is just to figure out how can i support this person sometimes support looks like hey i'm not gonna press i'm just gonna listen and sometimes support looks like actually I'm gonna report because this is this is incredibly dangerous, incredibly harmful, and something can happen to you. Something worse than what's already happening to you, you know? Yeah. Um, damn, that was kind of like a heavy topic. I don't yeah. really know why I brought it up. Um what's something that could turn this around something that um I realized when talking to the friend that I had specifically is when we were talking about orgasms and then she dating all these men she ain't never known what an orgasm was i was i was like ain't no way and it was one of those things where we were like we were all looking at each other like well ain't no way well these grown men yep and you don't even know it was one of those things where we were like oh it was the blackest thing i've ever seen in my life everything paused we all gave each other the look and we said <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even touch that. Next topic. And there was so much, you know, when there's so much you want to say and you're like, you like have your little book and you're like, forget okay. it. Okay. Next topic. Okay. Mm hmm. We're just going to keep it pushing. How did know. you start working for yourself? How did that all happen? I don't know. Um, I do know, actually. But first, I want to say that to your last point, there's this perception that because we're having sex at whatever age that we, you know, we're grown, we're doing the thing. Uh, uh, yeah. That doesn't mean no. shit. And it doesn't mean that you're having good sex. Like, yeah. I tell, I was just at, um, I was just at Virginia Tech doing a, a lesson on queer sex. And I'm like, yo, I'm 33. Okay. I'll be 34 next month, actually. And I did not start having good sex, intentional sex until I was maybe like 28, 29 years old. Mm. And I've been fucking for a while. 
Okay. But the reality is that just because we're doing a thing and we're giving people access to our body or we're, you know, receiving access from it doesn't mean that we're actually enjoying it, that it's intentional, that there's care, that there's sensuality there, that our pleasure is actually centered. No, it just means that we're having sex. That doesn't mean that we're enjoying ourselves, that it's connecting to our life, connecting to our sacred sexuality. Mm -mm. We just fucking true. We we just move bodies. That's it. We just moving bodies. That's it. Yeah, because the question is like what and another thing that I like to ask people, especially young people, is like, why are you having sex? Why do you want to have sex with this person? Right. Is it for love? Is it for your pleasure? Is it for their pleasure? Is it for connection? But you need to get to that answer so that you can actually Mm -hmm. say that shit out loud and be like, oh, you think you're having sex or I want to be having sex for pleasure, but I'm not feeling pleased. So something's not working here, right? Like there's a disconnect in what's happening. And we only get there when we can actually be honest with ourselves and say it like, yeah, I'm having sex, but am I enjoying myself? Not particularly. I feel like with teenagers and people like in their early 20s, a lot of it is just kind of following like the sexual script and like the sexual time, romantic timeline of like, we've been dating for this long. We've been doing this for that long. So like, we should be having sex. And when we have sex, it's supposed to look like this, even if that's not the sex that is pleasurable to you. Yep. That's the sex that everybody's having even if you're not even if you're not asking anyone you're not asking the people around you if that's the sex you're having but that's just the sex that you've been told everyone is having or the sex that we see in porn right because yeah from the sex that we see on tv that's romanticized right it's usually a younger girl (laughs) giving uh their body in some type of way usually to uh an older guy or in a situation that there's no intentionality, right? There's no pre-conversation. Yeah. It's like, oh, I see you, you're hot, we're gonna fuck, or we've been dating for a while, it's finally that time. But where's the conversation? How do you know how I like to be touched? If, like, wh- hello? What? You gotta talk to me, you can't just fuck me, you have to talk to me. You have yeah. to talk to me. And there's no, because like no one's taking the time to actually like figure out what they like and what they don't like. And that's really like shame. Like that was another thing that was happening in my English class where we were talking about sex because in that book, there's a lot of talk about how like men um, are only allowed to express themselves emotionally during sex mm-hmm. and you know, all of that and what that means. And then we did get to the topic of masturbation and all of the girls that were very happy and very proud of the fact, you know, they were like sexually expressive. They were like, yeah, I'm having sex, whatever. When it came to like masturbation, they were like, but I'm having sex, why would I masturbate? And I'm like, I don't, I will never, I never understood that. But I think that's because of the way that I learned sex education. Yeah. It had a lot to do with Yeah. And most sex education doesn't actually talk about masturbation, let alone affirm it as a perfectly fun, happy, natural part of your pleasure journey. No most sex that doesn't talk about that, right? We talk about sex, the act of sex, in a way that makes it seem like it's an external thing. So my pleasure really is only related to external people doing things to my body, but I can't explore my body for my pleasure. That's sus. Like that whole framework is sus. Sounds painful. I don't know why, but the word painful just comes to mind where I'm like, oh it my is. goodness. Restrictive. Restrictive yeah. It's harmful. Yeah. It's removing or it's trying to sever a connection from a what I what I consider to be a sacred and divine part of ourselves, which is our sexuality and our sensuality. You know, it's not something that I have in me for other people. It's it's mine. <laughs> if I choose to share it with other people, fantastic. But that shit is always gonna be mine, you know? Yeah, um, I, I think, let's see. The easiest way to say it is that I just kept asking why, and this is also part of like the decolonial framework. So I went to Lehman College in the Bronx. I was there for 
uh, poli sci. I wanted to do poli sci because I was like, the system is fucked up. We've got to fix it from the inside out. And then I read Audrey Lord and was like, well, that's not true. I got to yeah. go. Um, okay. I was like, okay, AOC. <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> Absolutely not. She flip flops way too much. Shorty oh flip flops way too much, but especially on Puerto Rico being an independent sovereign nation. So I don't, yeah. nah, she could go. So anyway, so on campus, I, I started school by myself and I was like a late, late to term. So I didn't have like a freshman group that I started with. And I was like, oh, I want to make friends, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up joining the GSA on campus. And then after maybe like that first year, the president at the time was leaving for whatever reason uh, and shout out to them. But the queer folks that I was in community with really looked to me as the next leader and they were like, you should be the president. And I was like, I don't I don't think I don't think I don't think. Um, but the way the club was structured is that if you don't have a president, there's no club. And so that would mean no GSA safe space on campus for any queer person in the Bronx. And I was like, whoa, buddy, that's <laughs> we don't need to do all that. Um, so I ended up taking that position. And the, the club went into a very different direction. Previously, we were really just there to like make friends and hook up, you know, queer shit, oh, yeah. you know. Um, and so when I, became the, <laughs> when I became the president, we took it to more of an activism and advocacy lane. And so we would hold really big demonstrations and events on campus that brought a lot of attention. We were on the news a couple of times, like the president of the school had beef with me. It was like a whole thing. Um, oh, fuck. Uh, anyway, and so through all of that, I I would partner with community organizations that worked with queer people in the Bronx specifically, and um, an organization, you know, they met me at a panel event or something, and they were like, we want you to work with our young people, and I was like, I am a young people. I was like 21 at the time. I, was like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Exactly. Like, like, oh, like, what are you talking about? I want you to work with the youth. I, I am I the youth. You. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> but, like, I swear you turn 18, and now they want you to go back. I'm like, what are you, like... Start. Can I get my degree like, first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, so that was my first, uh, it was, it's called a health educator position. And so it was part of a nonprofit working with queer youth of color on um, sex ed, right? Just training them to be peer educators and peer leaders. So that was really the trajectory of most of my nonprofit experience. And so I did that for like nine maybe nine or 10 years working for other people and really like understanding the systems that we all fall under and how whack shit is. And then I got a taste of presenting at a conference and I was hooked. I was like, oh, oh I can God. do this. I can do this for sure, but I can do it in a way that feels good for me. So I dropped all the other gigs. Like I dropped all the nonprofits, the nine to fives that I had and I just took a chance and said, okay, well, let's see. If I really had it my way and if I really got to create sex education that centered um, BIPOC communities, queer identities, bodies that are able to do certain bends and flips and bodies that are not able to do the things, what would that look like? And, you know, here I am three, four years later, <laughs> got my own LLC. I'm the organizer of a pretty dope uh, conference, you know, part of the Space Collective. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very nice. So we're just the fun and flirty part. So, for yeah. example... Is there a celebrity that you wish could give like some Maya. type of like? Oh, sorry, I didn't. Even, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Damn. I haven't listened to the question. I'm so sorry. You said celebrity. I said Maya. Immediately Maya. My bad. All right, let's try again. I got too excited. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're not editing that out. Is there a celebrity that you wish could give? 
a comprehensive sex ed talk. So, you know, like back in the day, this is before I'm born, but I'm talking about back in the day, like I knew what it was. You know how like celebrities would do those PSA commercials? Stop doing drugs and like, hi, I'm a black man and I play <laughs> um, football. You know me. Um, I throw the hoops and things. Don't uh -huh. do drugs, uh -huh. especially not crack cocaine. And then they would like drink, <laughs> I don't know, a soda pop. That yeah. was like Coca-Cola sponsored by McDonald's. Yeah. Like if there was a celebrity that could do that, that type of PSA, do you have one in mind? Nah, truthfully, I don't. I don't really fuck with a lot of celebrities like that. I try mm -hmm. not to idolize them. Um, I try that to just something I learned the hard way. I'm learning that right now with this whole Bad Bunny, Kendall Jenner thing. Like I'm having a whole fucking I, experience. Oh. That broke my heart in a million yo, pieces. Yo. A million yo, pieces. Yo. Um, but no, so yeah, I don't, I really don't have a celebrity that I'd be like, oh, that I would have that confidence in. Absolutely not. Mm. No. <laughs> no. That is fair. Is there a historical figure that you wish you could give a comprehensive sex ed talk to? Comprehensive sex ed talk to. Um, what I want to say is that. I would have a stern talking to with uh, Mr. Christopher Columbus. Mm. Um, and a lot of it would center on sexuality and bodily autonomy because the land is the body and the body is the land. Um, mm -hmm. And that motherfucker needs to be set straight. And he, he did not know any of that. That was actually one of my readings in yeah. um, high school. I'm telling you, that high school, they are not the, what they used to be now because they yeah. got rid of all the good teachers that made it what it was. That was one of my readings my senior year was, I forgot the name of the book. I think it was called like The Real History of America or something like that. Mm -hmm. And oh my goodness, we were tearing up. Yeah. You don't realize how much white people like snitched on themselves back in the day. They were committing absolute atrocities to indigenous, black and indigenous people. And mm -hmm. they were just writing it down in their diaries. So excited. Just like that. Like, Dear diary, today I fucking eradicated an entire Taino fucking home. Yes, no, and then like, oh my goodness, like reading what the Christopher Columbus, like when he first came upon the Tainos and he was like, and like, did you, I don't know if you read this, but in his diary, it's like damn near like homoerotic. Yes. He's just like, look at their skin. Oh my God. Look at the man. way that they just take each, he was really upset that we would just fuck wherever we wanted to fuck. Like, yes. how dare you? Yes. So why are you watching, baby? Like, yes. And it's like, it's just so, like, he's just like, look at the men. They're just so tall and their backs just so. And this like, is this is the homoeroticism of colonialism, yes. you know? Exactly. Yes, like, exactly. You want it, but you can't have it because of the system you live under. So you try to vilify us for having it, but we still pick up on the fact that you want it, babe. Yes, like we can you see it. it. Like, <laughs> see, like I, I, I don't have, I've never seen Christopher Columbus a day in my life, but the way that he was writing it down, I know he was biting his lip and drooling a little bit. Like, know he was. <laughs> I was like, God, I like, I was like, like look I, at this free, fine ass Tainos. Just yes, it was crazy. How dare to they read that? Mm. It was crazy to read that because, like, we were reading it in class, and a boy literally was like, "It kind of sounded like he want to fuck them a little bit." <laughs> My teacher was like, yeah. "What's that? What's that saying? Uh, thou, thou doth protest too much, right?" Like, yes, yes. You got a lot a to say, Poppy. You got a lot to say. Much. And I was just like, yeah, he was definitely biting his lip when he was writing that. Like, it was crazy to read. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. but, so I would have uh, a talk with him so that he understands that sexuality is safe and it's okay to express it. And you don't have to shut down that of others to feel more yeah. like yourself, you know? 
that that was a good one. I'm getting a lot of good ones. I interviewed Goody Howard, and she said that she wanted to give comprehensive sex ed talk to King James. Ooh. And I was like, let's go. I was like, yeah. She, she was like, if he hadn't rewritten the Bible the way that he rewrote it, mm. America wouldn't even have the the colonization of the Americans would probably never happened nope. because a lot of the way that they vilify homosexuality in the Bible, I feel like is directly correlated to him. Yes. Yes. And the fact that he himself was having homosexual relations. Thou doth protest too like, much. It's, it's just, like, like it, just let yourself like it. It's okay. Exactly. And it's, it's crazy because from what I understand of history in Eurasia, maybe before the Crusades, there were a lot of queer royalty and there were a lot of, there was a lot of queer sex happening yep. and nobody really had an issue as long as you produced an heir. Yep. And so I'm just kind of like, what happened? I'm like, where did <laughs> we go wrong? Cause like, you can see it now where there's some queer people that are coming out and their parents are like, okay, but do we still get grandchildren? Yeah. And I'm like, if only I could just be telling my parents, and I'm like, don't worry, because I still want kids. And yeah. they could be like, we gonna have kids. I'm like, you gonna have a grandbaby. Just don't worry. Yeah, just I remember then, coming you know? out to my mom and saying that exact same thing. I was like, I'm gay, but I'm, I'll still, I'll still have babies. I'll still have babies. <laughs> Literally. Oh, you don't. You, you fuck, fuck them uh -uh. kids. Uh -uh. Oh God, I still want. I don't know when. Uh -uh. I, maybe when I'm 30, something will click, and I'll finally not want kids. But to this day, I'm still like, I don't know what it is about those little sea urchins that just warms my I heart. I think they're so lovely, and part of the reason that I don't want them is because I interact with them so often. Like you I've see, got little ones in my life. I, I do mm -hmm. a lot of work with little ones. I'm good. Okay, that I'm makes sense. Good. That actually makes more sense. The average person that comes in contact with a lot of kids. They don't want kids. And that makes so much sense yeah. to me as I got older and I saw teachers yeah. that were teachers and had children. And I was like, why would you be a teacher and have kids? Isn't this like a little like masochistic, don't you think? Just a little bit? This It feels like you don't like yourself. It feels like you don't want peace yeah, is what sister, I'm hearing. Uh, my sister was a teacher and she's got two kids. And I would ask her that shit all the time. I'm like, how how you do? Why? Why? What? What's happening? Why, right how now? would you do that to yourself? And, you know, no judgment, but that's specifically that's actually exactly what I was doing. But like, so um, but like, but like fake no judgment, you know, like I'm not going to ostracize you for it and just it's gonna not, it's side not even judgment to me i mean to me at least it was really more just of like a how do you do this because when i'm done teaching with little ones um i'm exhausted i just want to go up home a, to silence yo i just wrapped a, a project with the new york public library so i was working with like 12 ish branches all in the bronx like queer Shout out to the new york public library because i got I, a spider-man library card hold up now i gotta flex real quick no because the new york public library ooh, Look at this. Come on, man. Yeah. That is really cool. I love me. Look, I have the app on my phone. Let me yes. tell you something. I've been getting my audio books from there. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, they have been holding me down. Yes. Yo, New York during Public this Library pandemic. Yeah, but so even love after it. working with them, like, I was like, I got to go home and just, like, chill. I cannot do it. And, you know, even the teachers that I met there, they have kids at home. And I'm just like, God bless. God bless. So it's not even like a judgment of like, why would you do this? It is a genuine like, God bless, because you have some, you have the skill set, you have a depth of capacity that I do not have. And I think that is so beautiful for you. I think that is so fucking wonderful for you. And I feel like that's why I want to distance myself from kids now. Yes. Because I want them and I don't want to be like drained. Yeah. But <laughs> 
my um next question was if there you have like a perfect TV show or film that you think depicts sexuality in a really good way. Some something, you know, for the masses. Everybody, everybody, please watch Sensate on Netflix. Oh my god, you that's it. That's I it. Watched, I watched. I watched it. 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 Wow. Love, love, love. I've rewatched really? that show like four or five times. I don't. So care. What, what is it? What specifically about it? Because I I watched it, but have I watched it all the way through? I think I'm halfway through season two. I'm so sad yeah. that it got canceled. But I know. I know. I feel like I feel like it's actually good that it got canceled because I feel like it's one of those shows that's gonna be that's really really perfect. And then if it were to go on too long, the yeah. writers, something was going to happen mm. and yeah. it was going to be horrible. So I'm glad it ended where it did. For me, it is the it is the duality of having so many queer main characters with their mm-hmm. own fully developed lines and like storylines. You know, they're not yeah. supporting characters. They are their own characters. There's a lot of sex in the show, all really beautifully done. And there's so much wonderful moments of polyamory. And so as a poly person, I'm sick and tired of seeing this shit be done in a toxic way and everybody's cheating on everybody and we're hiding all the things. Sensei does a really great job of uh, offering poly in a way that is natural, um, both because people choose to do it and also because it's literally just a part of their they're wiring like they're like wiring. literally they were born inherent that it's, yeah, it's, it, it's yeah so that beautiful. was the, it was like, pretty good they had you that know. opening scene with uh with nomi uh nomi's partner where they're fucking and she said that she like fucked her brains out and she takes off the strap on throws it on the floor and you see a rainbow strap on dripping and cum and that is fucking beautiful that is so beautiful to me. <laughs> um, that was a really, I didn't realize it until you said it where I was like, damn. And like, there was this other guy, what was his name? Not Ludwig, but something like that. Like the German guy where I was like, oh Wolfgang. my goodness. Wolfgang. So Wolfgang. Sorry. Ludwig was my was the name of my uncle. So I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, ooh, hey, two German names. <laughs> but oh my goodness, bisexual male man representation, like yep. a cis man. Yep. Being bisexual, yep. that is crazy. Yep. Well, and he even, never... his character is even predominantly like hyper-masculine, right? Like very violent, yeah. very about like the, the street life and all that shit and still very fluid with his sexuality. You know, <sighs> even being in love with one of the characters who's already married and he's like, that's okay. I don't care. I just want to be with you. Like that was kind of crazy. But again, because they're like a sense, it's kind of this thing of technically I am you. So is it yeah. really cheating? I know. I was like, damn, you kind of <laughs> got you there. But can't they like fuck on like the celestial plane or some shit? That's so I was I'm like, saying. I was like, baby, your husband don't even gotta know. But she got so much hangups, you know, like her culture. And I was like, oh, couldn't be me. Couldn't be right. me. I'll be up in that celestial plane. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. I'll be on the corner just like who's available? Hello? Same. Same. Like, the first time I watched that show, I was like, yo, how do I get a sensei power? Because if I can yes. have a cluster of just queer baddies that we're all yes. playing together whenever we want, how do I get like oh my goodness? I would like be like pulling up my window and like hang out the window, just being like, hello, yep. Mr. hello. Johnson. I'm, I'm here. What's up? Mrs. Brown, how are you? <laughs> like, oh my goodness, I would be a menace. Like, what Same. spider do I need to like bite me? Or like, you know, like, when you what find type out, of, like, let me yes, know. Yes, like some type Please. of to- toxic sludge that I need to drink. Like, I'll slurp Please it down. 
a little <laughs> shot. <laughs> Something. Oh, God. Like, I never had queer envy before until that Word. show were out. But also him being bisexual and open about it. Speaking to my friends who have been to Germany, they were like, oh, yeah, that's pretty common. A laissez-faire thing. And maybe this is me being in my, like, decolonial bag. But I'm like, that is something that pisses me off so much about all of these first world countries. Y'all went to these other countries, stripped all the queerness out of Dang. them. And Dang. then and then now, and so now we are in these countries where they're like, oh, my goodness, sexuality is fluid, blah, 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 blah. Uh -huh. But it's like, but you took that from Mm -hmm. you took that from us and now it's cool and now it's okay and now god forbid i go back to my original country if right. i go back to my country of origin i'm gonna get murdered like yep. how do we we literally it's it's literally a 180 like we literally mm -hmm. flipped we changed the roles yeah yep literally like all yep. these countries that were rich in all of these natural mm -hmm. resources that got yep. stripped from them their crew yep. got stripped from them and then you like just gave us all this baggage and now we're the ones all of the phobias all all the yeah. phobics and scared and i'm like yeah that's not fair. That's that's, not that's fair. how colonialism works, right? Like this that's how it works. Fair. And you can you can take any example for that. If we wanted to take something as small as like bodily modifications and tattoos, right? In most Literally. indigenous cultures, absolutely celebrated, welcome. We love that. It's a work of art. And then colonialism comes and says, Hey, your body's a temple. You can't be doing that shit. You're disrespecting your body. Tattoos are unprofessional. You can't have that. And now we get into a place where uh, try to find a white person who's not tatted up. About seventy five to 80% of America has tattoos. So it's hard to find like, someone who doesn't have a tattoo like, in the US. It's a fucking it's a fucking joke. And for me, at least, if I don't learn to laugh at these things, then I will just spend all my time crying. And so I so much more prefer to laugh at like the irony and the stupidity of colonialism and white supremacy that you have to come to a place, to a people and take from us just for a couple of years down the line for you to be right back there trying to embody what we were already doing. You're embarrassing. Like, you're embarrassing. Sit down. <laughs> Better than me, because I don't know. I don't know if I would turn to anger or sadness. Oh, I mean, I do it all, you know, especially being Puerto Rican. I do a little bit of all of the feelings, mm -hmm. but predominantly, I just like to laugh. I just be like, y'all are a hot goddamn garbage mess. If you have a book, maybe, that you would, like, suggest, okay, everybody else, but also, like, me. Like, what about me? Like, what if about me <laughs> yeah like if there's a book you would suggest to me specifically maybe to everybody else it's more like you're suggesting it to me but like everybody else is like listening so i'm gonna take it the opposite way and i'm gonna suggest okay. to everybody let's see so i would start with the reproductive justice the framework um which is literally written by the folks who actually created the framework always want to center and uplift black women and femmes and then i would suggest killing the black body I would suggest uh, medical bondage. Oh, uh, Sonia Renee Taylor, The Body Is Not An Apology, has literally become my Bible. I recommend it to everybody. I figure out how to like change the language when I'm talking with kids. It's that good. Let's see, uh, Bell Hooks, All About Love, also great. Mm -hmm. I gave that to my mom. Yeah. I wonder if she's read it. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm I, I'm debating on whether or not I want to go into sociology. Yeah. And she just wants me to get a degree in anything. She's begging right. me. So I was just like, all right, I'll go into sociology. You don't know what that is? Here's a book. And hopefully <laughs> and then hopefully she'll like stop like having a little like panic attack every time she thinks about the fact that she has queer children. Oh my God. No, because I will never forget when my sister came out to her. Oh my yeah. God. She was like she came to me and she was like, you better not be thinking about the lesbianism. And I was like, the what? And she was like, and she's like, 
your sister. She just said she, she likes, I don't know. She was like, she likes something. And <laughs> Mom. And, and then she came to me and she was just sitting down on the edge of my bed because oh, if there's one thing Caribbean people are going to be, it's melodramatic. She just sat at the edge of my bed and she was like, <sighs> and like she's like looking out into the sky and she's like, what's it I've done in order for this to be my life? And I was just sitting here like, well, I'm not into the lesbianism exclusively. <laughs> However, but uh, you know, you gotta, yeah. I, I look, I don't know. Blame it on a C-section. Whatever you need to do, <laughs> I don't know. Um, in that case, another good one. I think a really good one would be the body is not an apology because what Sonia Renee does is talk a lot about how, in order for us to be really living radically and free and loving ourselves, we have to first come to peace with other people doing that for themselves. And so she lays out a really beautiful framework of how to not attach your happiness and your peace to someone else's, right? So your mom or my mom can be at peace with not understanding my lifestyle. She doesn't know what I do. She still thinks that I throw dildos around at people for fun. I don't do that type of sex education. You don't do that. I do. <laughs> You know, um, but really this idea of uh, just making peace with everyone's differences and with your own differences has been such a profound piece of the work that I do in the way that I do it. So I can't, I really can't recommend that book enough, truly. On my reading list now, <laughs> we can end it with, is there anywhere that we can find you? Y'all can definitely find me online. My website is stephaniespeakshere.com or you can connect with me on Instagram. I will say that I am not a social media sexuality educator. I do not use my platform for that. I'm a sex educator who happens to have social media. I don't really post like the cute TikToks and like, here's all the information about STIs. I don't do that. I, I present as myself in the most authentic ways that I can. But my Instagram is rise and then the letter W and then stuff. So rise with stuff. And that's really it. Yeah, you can connect with me there and there. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, so that has been the Steph Zapata. All of their information will be linked below. You can follow them at their website, Stephanie Speaks Here, as well as Rise with Steph on Instagram. As they've said, they're not a social media sex ed influencer, so you're not going to find a bunch of stuff about them, um, you know, doing reels and posts and stories about little sex ed tips. They're just a sex educator that happens to have social media. Unlike me, you can find me at Why Vibrates on all social media. Cause I'll be there. Yeah, girl. You can find me. Um, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I do it all. I got it all. And you can find me at my website, whyisitvibrating.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm, girl. Anyways, that's all I have for you today. Bye.